You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, getting back to it, a full week's worth of podcasts coming up for you all. Was traveling last week for work, made it a little bit too difficult to record at times, and so there's nothing really going on anyway, right? The Pelicans now stand on a 12-game losing streak that is a franchise high. They had two games over the weekend against the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday. The Orlando Magic at home on that early tip-off on Sunday weren't able to get it done. We'll recap both of those games. And then in the third segment, talk about why yesterday was a pretty important day. It means it is officially trade season here in the NBA. We'll look at where the Pelicans stand with that, what their assets are. Are they buyers? Eh, Are they sellers? Much more likely. We'll dive into all of that and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So on Friday, the Pelicans traveled to Philadelphia to take on the 76ers and... Well, I think we already know the result of this one. A 116-109 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans. We'll break this one down a little bit because there were some good things from it. The most notable thing jumping out at you in this one, if you watch the game, was the Pelicans just didn't only bomb away from three. I've been a big believer in their three-point shooting, despite a couple of games where it was a complete shit show and just rough stretch. But overall, I don't mind them shooting open threes. The issue then becomes, are you taking too many when it's just not falling and maybe you need to kind of change your plan? And the Pelicans never did that. At times, even I, a believer in their three-point shooting, wanted them to do something a little bit different. Well, in this game, they did. That's a really good thing to say and to see. You have a guy like Drew Holiday in this one who didn't have the best performance. Four of 18 from the field. That's under 25%. Over six from three. Finished with 12 points on the night, by the way. 10 assists, six rebounds, uh, alongside two turnovers. But he was aggressive and driving and trying to get into the paint. And all four of his makes right there were right in the restricted area at the rim down low. And he missed a number of other pretty good looks there, too. Just happened to kind of have an off night but the rest of the team really seemed to kind of follow his example in this one we haven't seen that as much I don't think the people on Twitter calling Drew Holiday a bad leader are correct in all of that I don't know if we really have anything to say he's a good or a bad leader potentially but the team followed his lead on this one and they really were aggressive and they as as a team the Pelicans only took 24 threes they hit nine of them That's a good balance for what they were trying to do. Maybe a few too many long mid-range shots, yes, but at least this wasn't just kind of the barrage of three-pointers, 40 in a game where you hit six of them or something like that. And it was a bit more of a balanced attack for New Orleans. They ultimately ended up falling because they were just kind of overmatched in this one and Philly should be better than them given the players that they have and guys like Tobias Harris who had 31 points and the Pelicans couldn't really do anything to keep him outside of the paint and from scoring at the rim. Joel Embiid is just an absolute freak and been on a tear since Shaq and Charles Barkley ripped him 
um, on TNT. He put up 24 and 11 on the night. And Ben Simmons being very good as a scorer still, even if he doesn't have a jump shot to go with it, 24 points, 11 assists for him on the night on 9 of 15 shooting. Just a little too much. Brandon Ingram did play well in this one, 32 points on the night, six rebounds for him, 10 of 17 from the field, one of three from deep, got to the line 13 times. It's rare we ever say something like that about a Pelicans player, so very cool to see. Kenrich Williams, one of three from the field, three points on the night. J.J. Redick, 19 points. He was one of the few guys kind of feeling it from deep in this game. Three made threes for him of five attempts. Six of 15 overall, three rebounds, three assists. Again, 19 points on the night. He's been very good for New Orleans this year in terms of scoring. Jaleel Okafor, Rough minutes off the bench, trying to match up with guys like Joel Embiid and some of the other bigs. Nine points, five rebounds, those are good, but the defense is just rough from him. Josh Hart, 10 points on the night, hit two threes in this one. Nikhil Alexander-Walker in 10 and a half minutes of action, three points, one rebound, one assist. And Lonzo Ball continuing to come off of the bench, six points, three assists, two rebounds, not really looking to be aggressive, not really trying to lead that second unit. And this was a pretty disappointing game for him. Jackson Hayes did get almost 20 minutes worth of action, seven points, five rebounds, which is pretty good to see from him, three or four shooting overall. This game was closer despite giving up 39 in the first quarter of the Philadelphia 76ers with New Orleans only putting up 25 because they limited the turnovers and were able to play kind of smart and effective basketball offensively. And again, when you actually have shots falling and you're not just bombing it away from three, you can maybe keep things close without being able to really overcome and threaten a win. It never really felt like New Orleans was in position to win this one. Derek Favors, by the way, did make his return to the team, to the lineup, 15 points on the night. Eight points, eight rebounds. You can kind of feel his presence out there. With the Derek Favors stuff, With was he going to play the other night against the Detroit Pistons and then decided he wasn't going to play? Maybe it was him, it seemed like, who said he wasn't going to play. There was a lot of talk on Twitter about that. Dude just lost his mom. First off, just leave him alone. He is a human. The other thing is, if they were saying that, yeah, the plan was for him to play, then he went out there and just didn't feel right mentally. We'd all understand that, but it seemed like that wasn't the case and that he said it was a conditioning thing. Others said it was a conditioning thing. So what happened in between practice when it seemed like he was a go and then the game day? I think it's pretty simple. He hadn't picked up a basketball for like two weeks. He, tried, he said he tried going to the gym and just didn't have it in him to play. When I got back late Thursday night trying to record the podcast on Friday, I just couldn't do it. I'll be honest, you guys. I was tired, a little burnt out. The team has been losing. I just didn't have it in me to record 20 minutes. That's probably like Derek Favors going to the gym, trying to play some basketball and get in shape after his mom died. And he's just like, you know what? I don't want to do this. And he didn't. So when he came back to the team, he might have practiced. And then the next day been like, oh boy, I don't feel right. This doesn't feel good. I'm more sore than I should be. Blah, 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 blah. You can come up with a million reasons and they all make sense. He also said he thought he might hurt the team, despite the team at the time being on an 11-game losing streak, 10-game losing streak, whatever it was. They, uh, sorry, nine in that game. They, you know what? If he hasn't played and he can't even give you 15 good minutes, he actually might actively harm you more uh, in terms of winning the game against the Pistons than he would otherwise. So I think this is no real big deal. I didn't kind of like the backlash against him, and I think it's fine. 
He played 15 minutes against the 76ers. He upped a little bit going into the Orlando Magic. That was good to see. And we'll talk about that game coming up, but it seems like he will be just fine and he will be able to be an impactful player, hopefully, going forward with New Orleans of so the game against the Magic. Ugh. But anyway, we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But before we get to that, today's show brought to you by Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout. Terms and conditions apply, and if you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from LockedOn sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. So Sunday, yesterday, the Pelicans had a chance to try and get off of the losing streak that they are on, and it didn't happen. Falling to the Orlando Magic 130-119, a final score that looks closer than it really was. The Magic had as big of a lead as 25 points in this one. And in the game against the Philadelphia 76ers, you saw some fight from New Orleans, really coming out and trying to play like they wanted to win. Not always the case as much against the Orlando Magic here, though you did see some fight in Alvin Gentry. Two tanks, he got thrown out. Josh Hart got fired up, picked up a tech, arguing a non-call. And at least you kind of saw some fieriness from them on that side, even though it didn't translate to wins out on the court. I tweeted out on Saturday night that I saw Nikola Vucevic walking down this Canal Street while I was heading to dinner with my girlfriend. And we did, but I lied a little bit. He didn't actually say, hey, Jose, what are you doing here in New Orleans? Thinking that I'm Jose Calderon. Uh, but he was out. It was kind of cool to see him just walking around. Stopped to talk to him for a few minutes. Super nice dude. And guess what? He was not nice to the New Orleans Pelicans on Sunday, making his return from injury after missing 11 straight and just kind of getting right back into the swing of things. 20 points for the big man, nine rebounds, two assists on the night. He finished eight of 15 shooting, two of five from deep. Rough. There was a lot of balanced attack from the Orlando Magic in this one. Jonathan Isaac, 21 points, 10 rebounds. You had Evan Fournier, don't ever Google his name, 16 points on the night. Markel Fultz, 10. Terrence Ross, 14. Michael Carter-Williams, 10. Mo Bamba, 13. And DJ Augustin with 17. The only guy for the Orlando Magic who didn't score in double figures was Aaron Gordon. Just a balanced attack that the Pelicans defense, which has been much maligned all season long, was incapable of slowing down at any point in time. They didn't even force turnovers of this team. The Magic turned it over just 10 times on the night. That's when you know things are getting rough. It's one thing to stop people in the half court from scoring, but when you don't generate those turnovers, which New Orleans needs to try and get out in the fast break and play and run, well, then you're going to have a very long night. And when New Orleans turns it over 17 times themselves, leading to 26 points for the Orlando Magic, yeah, that's about going to do it, and it's why you saw the Magic get out to a 25-point lead. Brandon Ingram in this one finished with a decent enough stat line, 21 points on the night, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 of 7 shooting from deep, but he was largely rendered ineffective because of the foul trouble that he had. A lot in the first half, 3, and then eventually got up to 5 fouls in the third quarter when he started doing work, put up 10 points during that quarter, then had to go to the bench and sit down. Kenrich Williams, 3 points on the night, 1 of 4 shooting from deep. 
There you go. Derek Favors in 20 minutes of action. Clearly not himself in this one. Two points, five rebounds, a minus 18 on the night. As he struggled with Vucevic down low, with Aaron Gordon down low, Mo Bamba down low, and just the front court of the Orlando Magic overall, who again, were having a very efficient and effective game. J.J. Redick, five made threes in this one, 23 points on the night for him. We're going to kind of talk about him in the next segment when we look at the Pelicans now that trade season is officially upon us. Drew Holiday, a much better performance from him. Again, being aggressive, but also shooting the three ball well. Four made threes, 29 points on the night, eight assists, four rebounds, 12 of 20 shooting. That's the type of performance New Orleans has needed to see from him all season long, and they're getting it fairly inconsistently. Jackson Hayes, almost 30 minutes off the bench, 10 points, seven rebounds, two of them offensive, three assists, two from the big man, four or five shooting, got to the line twice. Josh Hart back in this one playing a little bit better. Four made threes, 20 points on the night, 7 of 15 shooting. Lonzo Ball leading the second unit. A bit of a better game from him. It wasn't all four quarters, but he finished with nine points on the night, six assists, five rebounds, two of four shooting, and he was a little bit more aggressive than we've seen from him. It doesn't fully show up in the shot chart that you actually saw him moving towards the basket and trying to score that way, um, but he was at least trying to get downhill a little bit and maybe use that to create for others. Him with the second unit right now, Alvin Gentry said, is a bit of a experiment. They don't know an, an experiment. They don't know if this is going to keep going and for how long it might. Um, but you've got to try and do something because this bench unit for New Orleans has really, really been struggling. But the defense, if they're going to continue to play like this and not force turnovers, not rebound as well as they could, though they did a little bit better in this one, uh, you're going to just lose games. And that's kind of what it comes down to. New Orleans, you know, allowing teams to shoot over 50% against you isn't going to be great, particularly when you allow a third quarter where they shoot something like close to 60%, 41 points in Q3 for the Magic. That was basically all she wrote as they uh, bursted their lead up after the Pelicans closed pretty well in the first quarter, but let the rest of the game kind of get away from them, leading to a 12-game losing streak now for New Orleans as they are on their longest losing streak in franchise history. This is... Rough, no other way to put it. Again, some fight from Gentry getting kicked out. Maybe that could kind of, you know, be the catalyst for this team to play a little bit harder. But it wasn't meant to be. New Orleans gets another chance to get some redemption and get off this streak against the Nets at home on Tuesday. We'll see. And we'll, of course, talk about that game tomorrow. But now the trade deadline time, trade season, there we go, is officially upon us. Where does that leave New Orleans? What's maybe the plan here? And let's look at that coming up in the next segment. Don't forget, I also now host the official Pelicans Twitch show on the fly. We're having to delay the next episode of it. It was going to be Tuesday. We're pushing it back a little bit, and I'll let you guys know the date as soon as I get that. But go to twitch.com slash pelicansnba, twitch.com slash pelicansnba, sign up, follow their account right there, their official account, because we're going to be doing a lot more stuff on there too, and we want to know whenever it goes live and stay up to date. It's a lot of fun. It's also live and interactive, so we can take your questions, have an interactive conversation with you and everyone watching the show, get them answered on there from the experts, Gus Cattengill and myself, twitch.com slash Pelicans NBA. So yesterday was December 15th, and that is a significant day in the NBA because that means it is officially time for people to be traded. After guys sign contracts during the uh, offseason, you can't trade them for a period of time. 
Well, that goes off yesterday and it means guys can be traded. Guys like JJ Redick and others who were just signed by the Pelicans are able to be moved and by other teams as well. And with things being a little bit more wide open during this uh, time period, it could mean we see a very active trade deadline, but it could also have the reverse effect of teams not knowing whether they're buyers or whether they're sellers and therefore standing pat because they think maybe they should be buyers and they are going to make the playoffs even though they all won't. I don't think we feel that way with New Orleans. It's very clear that if they're going to be anything, they would likely be sellers and moving on a few pieces, whether that is a guy like J.J. Redick, who has openly spoken about how important that playoff streak that he has is to him, making it every single year of his career, 13 straight years, that right now does look to be in doubt with New Orleans, still early-ish in the season, um, but you're 6-21. and 21. It doesn't bode well that you can kind of get back in to playoff contention here. They're at this point five games back now, uh, far, sorry, five and a half games back now of the being tied for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. It's not great. You know, it's not an insurmountable number, but things need to change, and I don't think we're really seeing the evidence of things actually changing here for New Orleans for them to kind of turn this around because you do need to do it sooner rather than later, given that we're almost 30 games into the regular season. J.J. Redick, I would not be shocked if he's dealt by the NBA trade deadline, and I wonder if maybe there was sort of some sort of agreement and understanding between him and David Griffin of, well, if we're out of playoff contention by the trade deadline, well, then we will move you. And I'm sure there's teams that are going to start making some calls to New Orleans starting today, Monday, after that loss last night against the Orlando Magic. I don't expect any move or trade to be done until the trade deadline for J.J. Redick. Same potentially for Derek Favors and all the issues that he's dealing with right now. But it would not shock me if ultimately both of those guys were dealt, though I think I'd put more odds on J.J. Redick being dealt than Derek Favors. But certainly New Orleans could be a buyer, and there was talk that it could be, you know, they would be buyers at the trade deadline this year. They're not going to have salary cap space going forward. You have a bevy of picks from the Los Angeles Lakers. You don't need a ton more young guys being added to this team over the next couple of years. So maybe you package some of those, some salary cap filler in uh, each one more, maybe move a guy like Lonzo Ball, though I don't think he's going to get you very much right now, and bring in some sort of bigger named player that's on a longer term deal that's already kind of locked in and helps you compete as this team and the rebuild gets accelerated a little bit. I just don't think that that's going to be the case as, again, as I said, I think it could be a very quiet trade deadline because teams don't know if they're going to be buyers or sellers or, you know, we won't know until February either. So some of this means Maybe nothing's just going to happen, but it also could mean that a guy like J.J. Redick from a team that clearly should sell gets even more of a higher cost for his, for his services than he would otherwise. And I think there could be a lot of value coming back for J.J. Redick, even if it is more future first round picks, even if that's not necessarily what New Orleans needs. But certainly teams are going to be calling the Pelicans right now about a lot of their young guys, a lot of their old guys too. I just don't expect to move for a while but I would not be shocked if we start to see it. But now it is the silly season part of the NBA's regular season where players can be traded. Kevin Love is likely to be on the move, some others as well. We'll see where this all goes, how it all shakes out, but certainly New Orleans has a very good chance to be involved in a trade in the future.
So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Sorry about last week and not being regular with the show, but we're going to be back five days a week for you here this week as the Pelicans look on to uh, tomorrow to end their losing streak. We'll preview that game, talk about the other biggest topics. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 